for teaching friends from across the country. Who've discovered that if you don't laugh, you cry and lose sight of your why. I'm Greta. I'm Deanne. I'm Tracy. And I'm Kathy. And we teach so hard. You know what's really hard this time of year? Planning units to get us through the home stretch. Was that a heavy sigh I heard? <laughs> yes. Oh no. <laughs> I think it was from our I think it was from our listeners. <laughs> oh, no kidding. Well, hope, hopefully testing is over for you out there or soon will be. What are you thinking now about units that'll keep kids learning through the home stretch? You know, Especially after testing for me, I and then, you know, you've got all these loose ends. You've got this. Our testing is in April, so we still have two months after that. And the kids are so checked out that I turn to interdisciplinary projects and project-based learning, things that are where I can take multiple strands, multiple standards, and tie them together in a neat little bow and teach them that way. Well, and it and keeps I like them engaged. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yes critical thinking skills develop and it's just just a wonderful um, way to go. They Collaboration, yeah. teamwork. It's a way for them to show you some of the things that they've learned. Let them put it together. That's Let right. them come up with the design. Yep. Find yeah. their own pathways using their areas that they're interested in. Uh-huh. Yeah, I think that I tend to do, I do interdisciplinary things throughout the school year. I like, that's for me, that's what makes me tick is finding ways to connect pieces. But um, especially at the end of the school year, I just think it's it's where it's at. And it helps me keep my sanity because mm-hmm. otherwise, woo, <laughs> it's hard. You don't have quite, quite the um, on stage presence that you have to have. You're more a guide on the side. Yes. Get this going and you keep monitoring, of course, um, and assessing, but. And questioning. You get to kind of take a little bit of a back seat and let the kids take the reins. Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, research shows that's where it's at in terms of student performance and student learning is when the teacher takes the back seat and yeah. it's, it's student oriented. They're the center of the learning, not the teacher. Well, and at this point in the year, our kids should be able to do that, right? We've had enough practice all year long on organizational skills, perseverance, how to collaborate, um, mm-hmm. and now they get to kind of just show it off. I love yeah. watching, I love watching them at the end. Yeah, yeah. I do too. Yeah. I do too. So let's talk about this. What are the characteristics of a good interdisciplinary or project-based unit that you've done. Um, And just because it's interdisciplinary doesn't mean it's project-based. Those two aren't necessarily synonyms for each other. Both are, you know, um, beneficial and fantastic ways of teaching, um, but they aren't synonyms. So what are some of the characteristics that you look for or that you try to cultivate when you're designing units? Let's talk about that. So testing's done, and in many ways, your kids are kind of done. (laughs) 
especially after testing. Um, and there are you. Exactly. And there are weeks ahead to keep learning. Um, and, and you should keep learning. That's You still have things you have to teach, especially if you're in a state where the testing isn't dead at the end of the year. It's, it's you know, in Michigan, we've got ours in April and we go through the middle week, middle of June. I mean, geez. So you need accountability for yourself and you need accountability for your students. And an interdisciplinary unit is the perfect way to reel them in. It keeps them engaged, allows your students um, to continue to develop as independent and lifelong learners. So, you know, some of the things that I look for when I'm drafting a unit or looking for how I'm going to tie some strands together is I want something that's going to grip my students, that's going to keep them totally engaged and enthralled. Um, and I want the kids to have some big decision-making um, within what I'm designing for them, within the framework of what we're doing. I want them to have a lot of choice. And it depends on what I'm doing. Sometimes there's a lot of choice. Sometimes um, there's there's choice, but there's not a ton. It just depends on how tight I have to be in terms of the standards I'm teaching. What about and, you and there should be a problem that doesn't have an already known solution. It should be something that requires some research, um, a project design, possibly some project testing, um, and, and you know, PBL then changes though. to it. That's PBL. Mm -hmm. See, and I look at interdisciplinary as is not necessarily the same thing because I look at interdisciplinary as like I'm taking reading and writing and math. And I'm using some, you know, standards and tying them together into a unit that I've developed. And it's not right. necessarily project-based. It, it could be, you know, it's multi, I call it like a multi-genre. <laughs> it's got yeah. some, yeah. Yeah. but it's not necessarily project-based. Well, I would agree with that. Um, but I, but this time of the year, I'd always make it project based. I would tie in the strands. Mm -hmm. I would decide what subjects need to be included. Um, but it would definitely be project based. Mm -hmm. uh, for example, um, trying to think of one of the ones we we've done maybe a little more recently. Um, you know, uh, planning let's say planning an, uh, a zoo mm -hmm. um, or a zoo on another planet. And so you had a study of space and you were studying the conditions on certain planets and you're studying the needs of an animal or certain animals, you know, and you've already done that or mm -hmm. you're going to combine it. Um, you combine it with math. You combine it with engineering. Maybe they have to build something. Mm -hmm. um, maybe they have to come up with some problems of their own um, that can be posed about the topic. And, you know, I'd have, I'd have kids do um, maybe a web page, a brochure, um, actually build a design, mm -hmm. working in a group, um, and, t and tell them what types of things you don't have to be involved. Area and perimeter from math you can bring in. Um, so I, I do one that's with um, paper airplanes. And for us, it's I incorporate our data uh, standards um, for fifth, fifth grade. 
uh, because they have to be able. And then our science unit is on variables. And, and so I actually use the paper airplanes that what I'm teaching them about them and the different designs and we research the different designs and then they we have a control plane and then they change one thing about that control plane and that's their variable and we use the science language with that and then of course talk about force and lift and, and all of that um, but there's reading but, but there, all of that there, but their project is to the planes, right? To build the paper airplanes. Yes, but it's not an open, it's not open. Like yours is, yours, when you're, you're talking about true PBL, what I'm talking about is like a true PBL. That's because I've got it, I've got an outcome and I've got a controlled experience for them. Whereas yours is much more open-ended. Yeah, mine t- did tend to be open-ended. <laughs> I um I did yeah. uh, some hieroglyphics with with the kids. Um, you know we had these stamps that we could stamp out words and everything, but there was also hieroglyphic math. So I wrote my partner in, and he helped doing some of the helped us with the math parts. Mm-hmm. Symbols represented different numbers and stuff. So um, that's, that's, that's really cool because that's yeah. I've, I have yeah. something like that too, and it's it's a really great way because it's. They actually have a fraction system, too, that not mm-hmm. a lot of people know about, but it's a great way to even review those skills with kids. It's what amazing. Cool, yeah, cool idea. They have, um, they have like um, like the Maya, the Aztec, and the Inca. When we study them, they have um, a counting system that's made of um, its ropes and knots. Yeah. And yeah, multiples of tens. So he would help me with that, too, because I'm really not good with math. But um, the different colors, string. Yes, and the, you yeah. are. Don't say that. <laughs> Thank you. That's a great, that's a great link because um, it goes with our base 10 system. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's another way for kids to kind of review that and even getting to exponential growth with it. And I mean, you can take it many, many different directions beyond basic place value, depending on the level of kid you're working with. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Tracy, as you were were talking, I was thinking about, um, what your paper airplane thing fits so perfectly into all the different STEM and STEAM challenges we do because right there is interdisciplinary, right? Of science, right, right. there, right. science, art, right. math, technology, engineering, all yeah. of it. Absolutely. Right. I think too, I like to think of it as, um, think of language as sign systems, right? We write and that's a sign system. We read music and that's a sign system. We, you know, Art is a type of science system. And so to me, anytime that you can bring in learning from various different kinds of systems, it's awesome because it's yes. going to, you have the opportunity to snag so many different learners with the same right. learning experience. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. It's huge. It is. So, what are some of our favorite interdisciplinary units? I know we have our favorites. Some of us have written them. Some of us have found them. What are your favorites? Well, since I do teach um, English and social studies, it's they work so well together. Um, I was... I was thinking, you know, in um, the end of the year, that's when we, you know, we're working on Greece and I have the kids write plays in all the Greek styles, you know, from the earliest to the latest. And um, Mm -hmm. 
And then they present them to the class and, you know, I give them a grade in English and social studies because they have to show me the plays and they have to write how they felt about it and all these mm. great little things. And they, and they love it. And we get the parents involved and we just make a whole big deal about it. And it's a great, it really is a great thing to do towards this time of year. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I always love combining drama and theater and music and dance, all of that, along with mm -hmm. social studies or along with science. Um, mm. It's just like it, it makes the kids come alive. And the kids always say, the music is stuck in my head. Like, I know exactly. <laughs> yes. Those are all the facts that we, you know, that we look at what you learned. And yeah, just Absolutely. have them sing what they learn. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I'll remember it. This yeah. is just like a little a little aside. Um, you probably have this too, but when I was teaching some English, there's um there's songs that go with like nouns and verbs and everything. I don't yeah. know if you really yes. teach that now. And and there's one that it just still sticks in my head now, and the kids would walk down the hall singing it. I love okay, that. Okay, let's hear it, Deanne. <laughs> it's something about a noun. I'm just a noun. <laughs> All I am is just a noun. I'm not really singing, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, a, it goes like a person, place, or thing is just a noun. <laughs> See, you know Trace. lyrics, though, don't you? <laughs> See? Absolutely. You know, I think my absolute favorite one was the Marketplace Project at the end of the year because we'd had, had our mini economy going all year and um, we'd already studied time, money, measurement. Um, we talked about sound and light uh, in science and magnetism. Um, reading and writing financial records, market, we would do market surveys before we decide, you know, what each group was going to sell, um, writing descriptions, making commercials for their product. It was just like a little bit of everything, drama, art, music, mm -hmm. math, science. And it all came together in this great marketplace, you know, where every group would have a stand where they'd sell things and we'd invite the community to come in. And the things they sold had to be things they created. Mm -hmm. So they were really unique and original. Um, and it's integrated and it's PBL. Mm -hmm. Very cool. Well, my, my, one of my favorite, um, memories of units that I've done with kids um, is actually something that I have written, but I haven't published it yet. I wrote a geometry musical. And That's so, yes, you me about this. so, you know, geometry is a topic that is so vocabulary heavy and I needed a way for kids to remember this. So I wrote a play and this, there are two cheesy tour guides, Ray Line and Miss Polygon. And they take the audience through a tour of the city of Geometro. And while they're touring Geometro and talking to the residents, they discover a problem. No one deals with, there's prejudice. No one will deal with Mr. Circle because he's not a polygon, he's not a geometric solid, he's an outcast, he's a social pariah. <laughs> and oh, um, so they sing songs for all the concepts that I need them to know. Like every time they meet a new resident, they sing about that resident. So we have the triangle song, which is the family of triangles, the quadrilateral song. Um, my favorite one, though, that makes the audience just crack up is... 
you're not like us. You don't have straight lines like us. You're not like us. No edges, no vertices. Bum, 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 bum. You are a circle. You're going to go on, and it's hysterical. Um, that's, my, that's my favorite. I just have so much fun. And You're so creative. I love it. I know. <laughs> it is. It is. I was stuck in one of the huge traffic jams coming four hours south from my parents' house in summer traffic, you know, because our roads are always under construction. Like I'd been in traffic for an hour, not moving. And so I started to write the music to it while I was in the car because I couldn't, like I had to entertain myself somehow. Ah. <laughs> oh. So it's fun. It's so much fun. And it's so worth it, isn't it, ladies? Oh, yes. Absolutely. (laughs) So let's talk about some from presentation. um, How do we look at our unit results? What are some ways that we know our kids got it? Because it's not enough to just do it. We got to be able to prove it, especially in this data-rich day and age. How do we do that? Well, there's so many ways. Rubrics. What? Rubrics. Rubrics. Tracy, I'm assigning you to make a song well, for like- this. You gotta have, you gotta have rubrics. That was that you coughing up a hairball. What is that? Rubrics. <laughs> oh, I, I know that they're beneficial, but they're not my favorite thing. <laughs> oh my god, I won't start one of these products. And you, I know you think I'm all loosey goosey with this, but I will not start one of these without a clear rubric. Rubric. What do I expect from you at the end? Well, but see, that's to me that's that's you knowing what you have in your head i prefer checklists okay rubrics confound me writing them confounds me i can do it but it's not my favorite thing how about not a your menu a menu of options but you've got to choose like let's say five out of seven mm. or four out of six kathy what do you do well unfortunately <laughs> Tracy, I use rubrics. They're pretty open-ended. So the kids, my kids usually uh-huh. get to choose how they want to demonstrate what they learned, but okay. it does have to have certain guidelines, kind of like your checklist, but it has to, mm-hmm. certain things have to be in their presentation or in their product, whatever it happens to be. Right. Um, but I do let the kids, yeah. you know, and we talk about learning differences all year and learning styles. So the kids pretty much know, oh, I'm better at doing something verbal or I'm better at doing something artistic or I'm better, mm-hmm. you know, whatever they're comfortable with. So I do let them choose how they want to present right. it. I like that idea. That way it's kind of like an umbrella. It's, it's, you can choose however you want to demonstrate your, you know, from this menu to demonstrate your learning. However, any option you choose must have these characteristics. Yes, yes, absolutely. So when I think of a rubric though, and this is what makes me go flop sweat over having to write a rubric is you have a four, three, two, one. So you got to sit there and you got to think, okay, what's a four going to look like? In this one part of this project that I'm asking, you know, because you might have five 
Oh, can I give you my secret? Oh, go ahead. <laughs> me. Okay. So I talk with my kids first about what the project involves and what I would like them to end up with. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, and what subject areas we're going to use and how we're going to connect them, that type of thing. And then I put a big three up on the board. Mm-hmm. Right. And then they list with me, you know, what did we just talk about? What do you think a three, which is hitting the target, but not necessarily superlative, just, you know, hitting the target, what should be included there? And and we make a list. Mm-hmm. Generally, it's like a little list next to the number three. It's not really all that intimidating. Mm-hmm. And then we talk about, well, a two is if you're missing one or more of these things. Mm-hmm. And a one is if you're missing two, three, four, you know, if you, or you didn't try mm-hmm. at all, basically, because nobody gets a zero. Right. A one would be you didn't try much. And then what would a four be? Mm-hmm. Four, some unusual touch. Like, let's say that you wrote a poem, but what if you performed it as a song and a dance? Mm-hmm. What if you did um, a video trailer of, you know, of your project? Right. What? So they would just go back extra mile. Right. Right. The four would be the extra mile, but the three would be the basic requirements. And I think I I haven't scared a kid with a rubric in years. (laughs) Retta, I have done exactly what you're talking about, but not not with projects. For some reason it just hasn't clicked for me. I've done it with other things where kids kids and I have created rubrics. Like we created a rubric for what the story problems that we were um, authoring, what what would be expected in a student-authored story problem, right? Sure, but no different for a project. Right. What's expected, what's over and above, and what is what would something that has, has part of it missing? The genius about like. that, and I found that with the story problem example, and I bet you have too with what you just talked about, the genius with that is that kids – have felt like they've authored the expectation. Yes, yes, yes. they have the buy-in. They will need it. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's awesome. That's really good. All right. Okay. So <laughs> how do you write them? Here's another thing. And I'm gonna I'm gonna say this out loud. I do every once in a while. I was that kid in class who loathed group work. Loathe it. Yep. Because you did yep. all the work. Because I ended up doing all the work. I would, I, it inevitably mm-hmm. would end up. And I spent all of my high school time in English class, teamed up with this one particular person. Did, she was in all my classes. And you know, when I went to university, my first class, there she Oh, no. Oh, no. In no. my group again. No. I told the professor I was going to gouge my own eyes out if he didn't move me. So I got away oh, finally. No. But I always ended up with that. So I loathed it. How do you handle that? Do you give? Do you make them all work in a group? I personally have given options. I've given options, because- too. I have two, and groups mm-hmm. can be of any size, from one to six. Because I feel like, you know, there is benefit to having an individual who works best that way. Yes, I mean, it's not to say they, in my classroom, they haven't worked with a group throughout the whole rest of the year. Of course they have. But why wouldn't I give them the option of working by themselves? Because there are those, and I have to respect that because I was one of them. 
I just, you know, you know what I've done? Um, I've had, when they're working on projects and stuff, I have them initial the part that they do. Mm-hmm. And part of my rubric is they're going to get a grade on, I, you know, and it's, it's not, doesn't have to be a lot, mm-hmm. but they're going to get a grade on, you know, each, each thing that they put down when I, I have to see their initials. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Um, so, so it, it does, it does help. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's really yeah. important there to do all that. kinds of, all kinds of ways to keep them accountable yeah. though, too. Uh, they can do peer evaluations mm-hmm. of, of the whole thing or of different parts of it. Um, and, and you know what? I I guess we all have like a different story because I never minded doing a little bit more work if it meant I could be with other people. Be my friend for a while. I'll do the work, but, you know, I'm going to expect you to do something. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, you can hang out until you're comfortable with yeah. it. And sometimes for some kids, that's all it takes. Mm-hmm. They need to hang out with the group and kind of feel their way in. It isn't like they're trying to get out of the mm-hmm. work. It's like they need to find their place. Well, there are some scooches though too that they don't, you know, really don't want to work. Right, and you and you know who the yeah. you know who those uh, slackers are in your class already. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And as a teacher, you and here's your guide on the side thing. It's like, hey, what a great group you have here. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't it be a shame if you couldn't work with them anymore and you kind of had to do the whole thing yourself? Or well, let's see if we can figure out a part of this that you'd really enjoy doing. Mm-hmm. With and research and put all the slackers together in one group. That's right. Yeah, you yeah. could do that, right? <laughs> that would be an interesting project. I bet you. I bet you some of them would rise to the occasion. They, bet, they might, and that yeah. that can be too, because then there's the whole leadership oh, dynamic yeah. of things too, and you know that there are right. students who just take a natural leadership role, and that's life. That that's right. real life. But sometimes it's nice to have those who don't do that naturally have that thrust upon them, because that's how they learn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, ladies, be thinking about this. What's your number one tip for selecting and designing an interdisciplinary unit when you're in the home stretch? What's the number one thing you think our readers, no, excuse me, our listeners should remember? Well, okay, so here's Reddit's fluff and glitter tip for you for tonight, ladies and gentlemen, whoever's listening. Make it sound like fun. It's like, it's the end of the year. It's like, hey, guess what we're going to do? You know, really come in there enthused about it. Like you're, you're, you yourself are dying to get to work on it. And I think that that's a great start for it. Definitely. I like that idea too. <laughs> um, but also like have something that maybe accumulates like through uh, things that they've learned throughout the year or something. I Just a quick thing that I've done and the kids love it. It's a fun thing is that they make um, games of every social studies area that we studied. And then for the last mm-hmm. week or two of school, after the games are done, they each different group plays somebody else's game. So they're all, they all oh, have I love that. so much yeah. fun. Yeah. Games are they do. such a great way to hook kids. Oh, we they talk are. about that. Such a great way. Yeah, it we is. didn't. And that what a great idea to come yeah. in and say, you know, we're going to make these games. Yep. And But the good news is we're going to do nothing the last week of school but play games. That's right. And the week before or so, <laughs> they work on the games, and that takes plenty of time. So, it, so there you are. Yeah. It's, it's a great way to there end. That's a win-win. 
Yeah, it is. Yes. <laughs> Listeners, we that's a podcast. We're coming at you with game ideas. That's right. <laughs> All right. Uh, I think my number one tip, I don't even know if it's a tip, but what I often will do is kind of something like you said, Deanne, cumulative, or I I look to see, oh, is there anything I haven't covered yet? And if I can, <laughs> throw, throw it, it in, in there, there, but I usually throw it in with some kind of art <laughs> and music and make it super fun too. Yeah. Fun. Yes. 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 I think um, mine is Sometimes I like to be a participant. So what that means is I like to learn shoulder to shoulder with my kids. And so I will often do what I'm asking them to do. And it is the coolest thing to see their reactions and to hear them critique me. Um, (laughs) It's a lot of fun. It really, really is. Do you join join a group or do you start your own project? Well, usually I'll start my own project. Uh You know, so I, for example, when I do my paper airplane unit, it's on the hinge of a car unit we do with Bosque engineers that come to our school. And yeah, World in Motion. And yes, and so then we take what we learned in that and we apply it to the paper airplane. Well, then when I ask them to make one change to their paper airplane, I do it too. I have my model and I think about what change is going to be the most. And I go through all the reflective paperwork I make them do and I present with them. And as a fellow scientist, mathematician. So if you haven't done that yet, give it a try. Your kids will adore it. And you know what, Tracy, one last thing, you're making me think of this. It's really powerful for you to sit down and join a group too. Yes, it is. Especially a group that looks like it's having some leadership (laughs) dynamics issues. If you just quietly take your little notebook and your pen and go sit there Mm -hmm. and maybe, maybe add something to the conversation until people figure out what you're doing there. And it's like, well, I'm just going to be part of this group for a while. Um, It, it, it's a golden opportunity. Well, that's all we have time for today. Listeners, if you like what you hear, don't forget to comment or show us some love. And Marcus is your favorite. Share us with your teaching friends. Please, please spread the wealth. Next week, yes. our next episode, we are so excited about it. We're going to be talking about Earth Day ideas. Um, I, Guys, I am so ready for this podcast. I just found a new book. And I'm raring to go. I can't can't wait to hear about it. It's phenomenal. I went to an MRA reading conference a couple weekends ago, and I spent way too much money on books. Of course. That being said, guys, if you have not checked out our blog, posts, we offer a wealth of tips and tricks, um, products, things to get you started with what we talk about. Be sure to check them out in our show notes. We look forward to hearing from you and we hope you stop by to listen again. Until next week. 